0: Why don't you turn around because of the silence and the awkwardness? But why don't you shake the hand of the person next to you? If you can reach him, you don't have to get up. Tell him how much you love him. Look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor if they're ready. Are you guys ready? Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I'm used to doing um, here on, I guess I would say a Sunday morning. Um, I'm going to give a Bible study today. Is that all right? We're in church. Can I give a Bible study? Any disagreements on that? If you disagree, you, you might want, may not want to share it. Uh, you may be seated. Thank you for standing Um, I'm going to go through a portion of scripture, and um, after I'm done going through the portion of scripture, um, I believe God's word is going to be spoken for this time um, and for this church. I'm giving you this Bible study because I feel like it is what God desires to happen uh, this morning. I told my wife, I said, "I, I got two of the messages that I tried to preach and, uh, and God has continued to lead me back to this portion of Scripture. And it is in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. I'm going to put it up for you if you don't have your Bibles with you. This morning, I'm going to set a foundation. And so I'm going to share some Scripture with you. And uh, And there's times where I'm going to try not to preach to you. Um, I may teach, preach. I may get excited and jump off the platform. And you all just just heard me back to the platform here and uh, and make sure I try to stay to my notes. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to stay to my notes today because, as I mentioned, uh, I do feel that it's absolutely necessary that a foundation is set in this service. Uh, we'll continue um, in this Chapter, and we will continue online in ministry training, and uh, and maybe up here in this platform in this pulpit. But today I'm going to do a. I said a foundation. Everybody say foundation. Everybody say he's going slow for a reason. Okay. All right. Don't panic and don't don't get afraid of silence. But uh, we're going to read the scripture here. It is a lengthy scripture, and uh, I'm going to focus on the chapter. Um, in the book of Revelation chapter 1. And so you all just read along with me. Are you ready? You're not ready. Are you ready? All right. Some are ready. Some are not ready. I'll do it again. Are you ready? <laughs> the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, shows his servants things which must take must shortly take place. And he sent and he signified it by his angels to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Here is the blessing in Revelation chapter 1. The beatitudes according to the scripture. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. We're, we're teaching this morning. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. In verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Not seven deities, but seven aspects or attributes of the character of Christ. And you can find that in the book of, of Elijah. And so in verse five it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, he is a faithful one, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler. Over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us. And washed us. From our sins in his own blood. John continues to write in verse 6. And has made us kings and priests unto God his father. To him be glory and dominion. Forever and ever. Amen. Behold. He is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion, in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on an island that is called Patmos. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I, 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 let me just stop here. I'm not done yet. But I want to dive into teaching and I'm trying to hold myself. But I, I've got to say in verse 9, there's something powerful. When John says, I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on an island called Patmos. Not imprisonment. He was imprisoned. But John never mentions the word imprisonment. John looks past the torment and the pain. And he says for the sake of God. For the word of God. And for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Your situation and your circumstance that may seem turmoil and and hard and in life may simply be for the person next to you. Verse 10. He says, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's another statement I'll get back to. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, John, write in this book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice, John speaking, that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like white like wool. As white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in the furnace. And his voice as a sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun is shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he, he laid his hand, his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys to Hades. And to death. And verse 19 of chapter 1. Write the things which you have seen. And the things which are. And the things which would take place after this. There is one more scripture in this chapter that I'm going to hold off until the very end. It is verse 19 that gives us the understanding in the totality of the book of revelation of three different divisions the things which has seen is the first one the second one the things which are and in the third the things which shall be hereafter three divisions they include the past the present and the future this morning we will focus on the things which thou hast seen. We see here in the scripture that many have stated this whole book as specifically on the island of Patmos is the place where the beginning of the end began. That's what we call a paradox, I believe, right? When the beginning of the end began, people look at Patmos in that sense because when this was given to the man of God, we could not go back, but through this word, we had to go forward. We had something to base that on. God delivered his word, God gave us insight, God gave us the revelation of what we know today as future events. And so on the island where John was in prison. When he received this revelation, it became the beginning of the end. Here in this study, I I want for a few minutes to point out who this man John was before I get into this chapter. You see, John was known as John the Beloved. He was a man that followed after Christ. He was a disciple of Christ. He was a, he, a man that gave up everything he knew to follow after this man named Jesus. We find in the scripture that Jesus is walking. He's walking on the shoreline of a sea called Galilee. And he goes and Jesus is forming his leadership team and he picks up two brothers and as he continues on the shoreline he sees two more as the Bible says in the Gospels. They're mending their their nets and they're they're, they're cleaning their nets and they're on their little boat and they're doing what they do daily and all of a sudden Jesus reaches out to John and his brother, the sons of Zebedee. Uh, We know them as the sons of thunder. They were a rough group of men. But Jesus sees something in these people and he says, John, he says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. From that point forward, we we see that that John began to follow after him, leaving his family business, leaving his family wealth. It was said in the scripture that John was a very close friend to Jesus over six times in this this gospel, we read that he was the beloved of Jesus. In other words, him and Jesus had a special friendship. They were connected. One commentator said that maybe John was uh, quite younger and, and Jesus saw the young man and, and wanted to mentor this young man. To develop this young man and, and maybe Jesus kept this young man close to him uh, just to pour things into him. It was often said that Jesus and John were what is called bosom buddies. They, they were the, the group or the couple that leaned towards each other. John specifically leaning on the bosom of Christ during the Last Supper. We, we see uh, throughout the Bible and throughout the Word, the Gospels, and they so that, that John had this special relationship with Jesus. It was special. It was, it was close. It was John. It was John that witnessed the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. He got a glimpse of the glory of God. It was, it was John that was with Jesus when Jesus was captured in the garden. It was John that followed Jesus before he went to the cross, it was it was John that followed him to the cross. It was John that was below the cross when when Jesus was 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 crucified. Here I go preaching again. Let's get back to teaching. It, it was it was John. It was John that that stood there and and watched and and, and, w- and was sorrowful when they. it was it was it was John that Jesus spoke to to him from the cross and said John this is your mother and and mother this is your son it was John that that was close to this Jesus it was John that found himself at the tomb first. It, it was John that, that saw the, the resurrection of this Jesus. It was John that was the beloved before John ever became the revelator. We're going somewhere. It was John that was close to him. It was John that gave up everything to follow him. It was John that was called the disciple of Christ. It was John that was called John the divine. But before those three titles, it was John that became the beloved in order to become the revelator. John. He knew him. John that wrote five books, one including the book of Revelation. He knew Christ personally. And he shared everything he knew about Jesus to everyone who would listen. John, the writer, the authorship of the book of Revelation, or the writer, the authorship is Christ. But the writer, it had to be a Jewish Christian. It was the writer that had a deep spiritual insight To who Christ was. John 1 in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John later writes and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John had a revelation of who Jesus was and in the book of Revelation chapter 1 we see that come to pass. We see in the book of Revelation chapter 1 a confirmation of the revelation that was given to God's people. God in Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And we see that John, he gained something. He had insight to who this God was. The writer of Revelation constantly Gave positive statements. The writer had to be a man that was unquestioned or had unquestioned authority. He was well known. Some say he was famous, but he was well known. It was the writer of Revelation that didn't need to add a descriptive adjective by his name. In other words, this is John, the son of Zebedee. This is John from this region. But when John wrote the book of Revelation, John simply said, hey, it's me, John. In other words, they knew who he was. He didn't have to explain who he was. John was the only author to use the Greek word logos, the word as the personal name of Christ. John was the only one who referred to Christ as the lamb of god 22 different times in all the books that he had written john the writer of the book of revelation john began to spread what he knew about this jesus but the bible tells us that in time he was captured and he was imprisoned And eventually, John was shipped to an island called Patmos. As I mentioned before, the island is known of the beginning or where the beginning of the end began. Allow me to share just a few things about the island itself. It was 30 miles off the coast. Approximately 10 miles long and 6 miles wide. It was designed for the criminals during the time of Roman rule. I can go back to Greek mythology. But for now, uh, Roman rule, it was a place where the criminals were sent. It was a place of detaining the worst of the criminals. Most people would find their death on this island. Prisoners had to feed themselves, and and prisoners had to defend themselves. The island itself consisted of volcanic hills and rocky grounds. There were no trees. It was a dry place, and it was a barren place. John was banished to this island in approximately 95 AD and released a year and a half later. It had been said that John might have been in his 90s, when he was sent to this island. Imagine. What this elder had to do with. Not just defending for himself to keep himself alive. But defending himself against others. Some have stated on this island there was a mine. And some have stated that in this island they would chain those criminals up to barrels. And the barrels would be used to work in the mine. Uh, picture John. The elder doing just this. But this was an island where John received a visitation. In a dry place, this is where John received a visitation. In a lonely place. This is where John received a revelation. When John felt where he was all alone, this is the place where he received a revelation. John, it is recorded that he received a vision. And in the scripture, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. This is the only time in New Testament where the phrase is used on the Lord's day. I I don't believe personally that it was speaking of the day of God's judgment, but it wasn't commonly used. But what I do believe is that it was a day of worship like today, the Lord's day. According to Acts chapter 20, verse 7 and First Corinthians 16 2, I do believe it was a time of the week where people gathered together. But despite, despite all that John encountered, John's focus was beyond the physical torment, the pain, the feelings, and the emotions despite the circumstance that John was in, that John was facing, his eyes were set above the circumstance. And the Bible says that he was in the spirit. That amazes me. That, that blows my mind, Pastor Hunt. The stuff that John had to go through You know, it reminds me of Paul and Silas. Despite the circumstance that Paul and Silas found themselves in, they were captured for preaching the truth, preaching the word. And the Bible says that, that they landed themselves in the Philippian jail, and in the middle of the jail, they were highly watched, they were, they were, they were highly uh, looked upon, and, and they were in high security in that jail, and the Bible tells us that that everybody had their eye on Paul and Silas, but the Bible tells us at midnight, you hear the, the constant uh, uh, saying or phrase, but at midnight, Paul and Silas decided to look Past what they were feeling, Paul and Silas decided to look beyond the circumstance that they were in, and Paul and Silas began to focus on the thing that really mattered, and that was Jesus. And when they turned their focus to where they were at and on the King of Kings, the Bible says that at midnight there was an earthquake, and when this earthquake took place, the doors began to open, and Paul and Silas began to walk out. Free. I know it's a Bible study, calm down folks, uh, but I just got to tell you that if you just look beyond where you're at and look at the one who is in charge, oh I promise you, oh, you will see things happen in your life. Get past the feeling and the emotions of what you've got to deal with. Hey, I'm sorry you've got to deal with this, that, and the other. We all got to deal with something. I've seen people keep their focus on the circumstance, and I've seen people go nowhere. Nowhere but down. Nowhere but depressed. Nowhere. But when I see people, and I've learned, Pastor Ron, I've learned from people that have gone through it. I have seen them put all their focus on him. And whenever I see that, oh, I learn from them. Because now I can put my focus on him. Despite what I'm feeling. Despite what I'm going through. Bible says that Paul and Silas walked out of that jail. Took them in. They were walked out, soul winning. They walked out, reaching for the jailer. The Bible says they baptized him and his family. I mean, they did not stop for nobody. Every opportunity they had, they kept continuing to do the will of God. They, they didn't lose your focus. As a matter of fact, they probably thought the jail time was a time of rest. <laughs> And they probably thought, man, this is where we can just spend time with God. Let's get it. Let's get some personal worship going. And when they did that, oh man, the earthquake happened. Oh, hallelujah. John. John. John, despite his discomfort, his focus was on the Lord. When John's focus was on the, world, the word, the Lord, he received a supernatural visitation. I'm just setting a foundation, if that's okay. Let me get into the word now. The main point of this book that is given to John. Sister Lana, can you put that scripture up? Thank you, I appreciate it. The main point... Of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1. I want you to see it. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which God gave unto him. To show unto his servants things which must must shortly come to pass. And he sent, signified by his angel unto his servant John. I'm going to stop in the first phrase for now. One, one, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave. Let's get into the Bible. Study now. The whole book of Revelation is all about Jesus. That's it. I'm going to say some things as I set this foundation. He is the message of the book of Revelation. Revelation 1:8 says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega." The beginning and the end says, the Lord, who is, who was? Who is to come? the Almighty." He reiterated in Revelation chapter one, verse 11, the same thing to the seven churches of Asia. Let's go back a couple of thousand years in the Old Testament and let's compare. What Jesus is really saying. Isaiah 44 verse 6 says. Thus says the Lord. The God of Israel. And his redeemer. The Lord of hosts. Watch it. I am the first. And I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Now here. We continue to read. The revelation. Of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1 starting in verse 13. And he gives in this passage similarities of the ancient of days in the book of Daniel. Revelation 13. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, His head and hair were like white like wool and his as white as the snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as refined in a furnace and his voice as a sound of many waters and he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him I fell at his feet dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, the Old Testament, it reads, I have watched till thrones were put in place. And the ancient of days were seated. His garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wills a burning fire. It is. The first chapter of the book of Revelation. That confirms that Christ. And Yahweh of the Old Testament. God in the Old Testament. <laughs> are one in the same. This chapter is a confirmation Upon the revelation that was given to the church of God. The primary focus of the book of Revelation is to describe the triumph of God's kingdom. When Christ returns and establishes his kingdom upon this earth. It shows the judgment of Satan. And the victory for God's people. The eternal reign of Christ and his people. That is the purpose of the book of Revelation. Now, too many times we, 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 we look at Armageddon. And man, that makes me nervous. We look at the dragon. We look at the Antichrist and the blood. And, and all these uh, the demonic spirits released. And, and we look at the seals and the bowls. And, and my God, that is all true. It is. We can never deny that stuff. It it is our zeal to know what is going to happen in the future. But the book of Revelation is only based on the person of Christ Jesus. As I said, things that were seen, things that are, and things to come. Things that have been seen, chapter 1. Things that are, chapter 2 to chapter 4. Things to come for, to the end of the book. Three divisions. Three areas. All about Jesus the Christ. It is. It is extremely important. That we understand the purpose of prophecy. Are we are we are we okay today? Trust me when I tell you we're going somewhere. We'll, we'll get there. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor we're going somewhere. It is extremely important that we understand the purpose of this book. That we understand the purpose of prophecy. Prophecy. Hear me now. Throughout the book. Has always been. To reveal. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the promised one. Jesus the redeemer. Jesus the Messiah. Christ means Messiah. Everything in this book. Is all about. Jesus. Jesus. Throughout the scriptures. I can start at Genesis 3.15. The promise of one that would come and crush the head of the serpent. It was the promise of the redeemer. We can look at that all the way to the book of Revelation. And see that every prophetic scripture was all about the Messiah. The one that would come and liberate God's people. The one that would come as a king and a rule. The one that would set up his throne. The one that would take his people out of captivity. The book is all about the prophecy about Jesus the Christ. One that would come. Then we see that he came born in a cave. Born in a manger. And that from that point on we begin to see the prophecy of the book being fulfilled. It is all about him. In the Old Testament to the Gospels, to the Gospels, to the book of Revelation. It is the book of Revelation that introduces us to the glorified Christ. The glorified Christ. And the revealing King of Eternity. It is this book that... Is focused on the unveiling. It is this book that has a focus on judgment. It is this book that has a focus on justice. It is this book that has a focus on defeat and victory. It is this book, this book that has a focus on signals and symbols and visions and the glory of God and the end and the confirmation of who Jesus really is. I am the Alpha. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the king. It's all about him. I-, I want you to think about this book in this manner. This book was written to a man named John. To write. This book was written as the last letter to his church, and in the last letter to his church, Jesus just wanted his people to—he wanted to make sure they knew truly who he was. I—I I so bad I want to continue, but I, I'm going to stop right here. The next phase of this chapter. It gets into the seven churches. But the reason why I want to stop right here is because I feel like God wants to do something here this morning. You see, our pastor has been preaching to us. And our pastor has been delivering messages to us as a church we have witnessed probably the last five or six messages about the heart of worship. Really, it's been dealing with the heart. At least my heart, says Vivian. And God has been ministering to us in the same fashion for the last five or six times. Think about it. If you stand back and look at the big picture, you would realize that we are in a revival. Now, I know to some that revival looks like people jumping off the walls and, and an influx of souls and and, and, and the buses being filled and, and our cars being filled and and so many great things, but revival doesn't necessarily mean that. See, revival, first and foremost, means uh, reviving the heart of a person who was once dead. We are in revival. And God has been dealing with hearts in this place, no matter what age you are, young or old, no matter how seasoned you are, God is dealing with each of our hearts where we are at. Look at the big picture. Take a step back and look at what God is doing in this church. God is positioning this church in a specific place for a specific time. Such a time as this, as it's often said, God desires to get you and I where we need to be in this specific time and this specific hour for something that is greater. Something beyond. Something we've never seen before. God, God, Pastor Kaiser is actually answering our prayers. God has heard your cries for the tap and God is answering them. Brother Ben, God has heard your prayers and, and God is answering them. God has heard my cries at night and, and God is God is answering them. I say, God, bring revival and fill this place. God says, Tim, I've got to start with you first. So God is, is twisting my heart. God is is twisting me all over the place, and, and God is speaking to me through different messages. And God is saying, "Tim, you've got to align yourself with the Word. You've got to get your heart right. You've got to put yourself in the place that God wants you to be." I don't know about you all, but I'm having a revival. My God, I desire to grow with God. I desire to see more of God. I desire to be used more of God but God has to work on me me. and he has to work on us and so it is that God is doing just that he's preparing the church for the end time he's checking our heart to see where we're at he's he's making sure that our thinking is right he's making sure that our focus is where it should be on him he's making sure our priorities are where they should be in him and so God has been using our pastor to speak about the heart of worship or where we're at where we shouldn't be and where we need to be because we have learned that true worship isn't necessarily coming up here and clapping your hands that's a part of it But we have learned that true worship is how we live our life daily. I'm excited to be a part of a church that has a vision. I'm excited to be a part of a church, even though it hurts. It hurts. But I'm excited to be a part of a church that is having revival. My God, it hurts. Change hurts. Having to change ideas, having to change habits, having to change your lifestyle, it's uncomfortable and yes, it hurts. But my God, I want to be in revival. I want it. I come here today just to give a Bible study, but, but I feel the utterance of the Holy Ghost. I feel the unction of God, and, and I feel that it's time that we unite as a church. Oh, the God is speaking to our pastor, and the pastor of this church is trying to stir the people in the right direction. I know our pastor's not here. I wasn't sure if the kids will be here, but I, 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 I and I, I hope he never listens. But I, I, I want us to line up with the vision of this church, the vision that God has given this church. It is revival. The byproduct of revival is harvest. When you get right with God, you will be so excited about what God has done that you can hold the gospel back. You will reach every person that comes in your way. I asked myself, Brother Tim, I said, how is this message going to end this morning? And, And I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't quite sure, but I felt in the Holy Ghost to speak on chapter one. The focus of what Revelation is all about, it is about Him and Him alone. I'm going to close out on the next chapter, if you don't mind. No, thank you. But just the beginning. See, the next chapter, chapter two, focuses on the seven churches. And the first church that it focuses on is the church where one of the greatest revivals took place. Over 40,000 people were converted in the church of Ephesus. But yet it is one of the first churches chosen for God to speak at. Because the Bible tells us that this church, they were having great revival and great harvest. But somewhere down the line... They begin to get so busy in ministry that they forgot, they lost focus on what truly mattered. The Bible calls it their first love. The first love. They begin to shift away from the first love. And they began to become even more busier in church activities, maybe family activities, maybe, maybe hobbies and whatnot. Uh, that probably weren't really evil. That Maybe we wouldn't look at them as evil per se. But, but God realized that they were shifting away from what truly mattered. You see, some people come to church out of tradition. And others come to church because they love him. I'm giving an example of the church of Ephesus. Some serve the ministry within the church because because they feel like they have to be involved in something. And others serve in the ministry because they love him. You You see the difference? And the first church that God was writing to was a revivalist church. Preaching truth. Spreading the gospel. But God began to realize that they were doing it with a lost purpose and a lost focus. And the rebuke, if I may say. In the churches, God says, I am against you because of this. God says, I'm against you because you have departed from your first love. God forbid we be a church that departs from our first love. God forbid that we become a church that pushes the relationship out of the side, out to the side. Continues, but without our focus being in Him. God forbid we become a church that does things just to do things. And we lose our focus on what really matters. It was written to a church, but a church is made up of individuals called the body of Christ. We're all different parts of the body. So individually, I believe today God wants us to search our hearts again to see where we stand in our relationship with God. Have we personally departed our first love? Have we maneuvered around that very In that very sense where we're so busy in ministry doing things for the kingdom that we lose our focus on what really matters. I'll tell you with experience, a little transparent today, that I have times have been caught up doing one thing in the ministry after another and then I realize, no, I want to spend time with God today. I feel so disconnected from God because I'm involved in planning, I'm involved in, in this, I'm involved in that event, I'm involved in, 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 in reaching the loss, I'm involved in this, that, and the other. And, and I've come to the point many times where I catch myself and I say, you know, I cannot do none of that because all that is based on my walk with him, on my relationship with him. Let me go back real quick as we close today. I apologize. I I know it's a Bible study and I'm preaching with my heart. um, And I don't even know how long I've taken. Forgive me, please. But let me close with this. Let me close with this. And it's John, the writer of the book. It's the fact that before John ever got a revelation, before John ever got a confirmation of the revelation, John was called the Beloved. There's a place that God wants us to be. Because in that place of being the beloved, we will see things. God will show us things. We will have visitations of, as Pastor mentioned, the glory of God. In ways, in forms, that we've never imagined. But all that is based... On the beloved. I think of the church of Ephesus. And I think of John the beloved. And so this morning I close and I pose this question. Are you in that place? Have you maneuvered away from your first love? Have you put priorities above your focus on God? Have you been so busy in life or ministry that you have been convinced at times that that's enough? I, I happen to believe that revival amongst God's people never stops, really. Because God is constantly working in humanity, making sure that we are at the right place, the right time, our hearts. Sometimes you over here, God has to work on, but you over here, you're in the right place. And sometimes it switches. Sometimes you are and I am, I'm not, and I'm, I am and you're not. God is constantly at work and preparing his people to be ready. I wonder this morning if we can all stand to our feet. This is where I feel to stop. I feel like God wants us to stop right here. And I'm going to just, in a sense, feed off of where pastor's been leading us. And I'm going to invite every person up to this altar. And I'm going to ask you to be sensitive to God's voice, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And I wonder if we can put our hearts in the right place this morning. I wonder if we can change priorities. I wonder if we can recommit to God and say, God, you're the focus, God, of our lives, God. God, forgive me, God, for departing from my first love, God. God, I, I, I want to live, God, in a place, God, where I'm, I'm close to your bosom, God. I'm, I'm close to your heart, God. God, I, I want to feel your heartbeat, God. I, I, I want to know things, God. I, I want to, I want to walk with you, God, in such a place, God, that you will speak things to me, God. And I and I'll be able, God, to speak to you, God. God, I want to be in a place, God, where we walk together as one, God. God, I want to walk, God, not, not just a hearing of the revelation, God, but I desire to walk, God, in that revelation, God. God put my heart God where it needs to be, God. God position God, this church, God, for greater things, God. God position our hearts and our minds, God, in our life. Oh, God. I'm-